0: You know, before I give the sheer, there is a crisis in this world that is happening and um, there are certain observations and thoughts which I've had which are different I think, than most people. Um, so maybe I'll just talk a little about that in terms of what I think is happening and so on. <clears throat> um uh, you know, for those who are familiar, of course, uh, Putin from Russia attacked Ukraine, and he's now really bombing Ukraine. I understand 1.7 million people have fled Ukraine. That's a lot of people. I mean, we, we cannot even, you know, we live, thank God, in relative safety. We cannot even begin to understand the upheaval the turmoil of what that means. Imagine somebody's got to take his whole family, move to a place that he has no idea where to go, right? You have to leave a job, community, everything, and go to a known... You don't know for how long. I mean, it's it's a terrible plight, no question about that. You know... uh, But there, there, there are certain ideas which I think are important. One of them will contradict what almost the entire world is saying. You know, <clears throat> you know, there is there is a certain saying, I think it's in English, where it says that surrender is the better part of valor. That means sometimes the better part of valor valor, valor means bravery. Sometimes the best form of exhibiting bravery is to surrender. You see, what does that mean? You know, a person has to exercise wisdom in everything. And I believe that this war, really, um, with Zelenko refused, uh, Zelensky, I should say, refused to give in to Russia. Was a terrible mistake on his part. Terrible mistake, I believe was the wrong decision, and I believe that that decision was uh, a a terrible decision to make for Ukraine. What does that mean? You know, just to give you an example, you know, uh, if you're in a room with an 800-pound gorilla, you don't start up with the gorilla. The better part of valor, bravery, is not to fight the gorilla. That goes 800 pounds. What you do is you surrender in the sense that you get out of the room. That's what wisdom says. You know, you have to pick and choose what you decide to defend, even if you're right. You see. Now, initially speaking, I mean, Russia is Russia, and they are in many ways a superpower. Everybody's afraid to start up with them because they have at least 1,500 intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBM, pointed at Europe, the United States, Ukraine, and so on. You don't start up with them, especially since the leader of Russia, Putin, really is a tremendously evil person who is capable of killing you if you defy him confront him, or in any way show that you're his opponent. You know, you try to avoid confrontation. Even though he is evil, right, and you're on the side of good. Wisdom says, stay out of it. This is not a fight you want to engage in, because he will destroy you. You have to wait for another day when you have the upper hand. Uh, initially speaking, you know, uh, Putin threatened uh, Ukraine with what? He said that they cannot join NATO. That's what he said. He didn't say he was taking over Ukraine initially. He says, I don't want you to join NATO, because if you do, they're going to take their missiles, put them in your country, and they're going to be, be pointing at us. And I don't want you know NATO's missiles pointing at us. Because you're right next to the border of Russia. You see. Now, what is very interesting is the United States did the exact same thing. In 1962, Khrushchev, who was then the uh, uh, president of uh, Russia, whatever, uh, he decided to send missiles to Cuba. Now, Cuba is 90 miles from Florida. And that's exactly what he did. He sent missiles to Cuba, which obviously are all going to be pointing at the United States. So Kennedy came out with what is called the Kennedy Doctrine, and he said to Khrushchev, you can't do this. You cannot send missiles to our next-door neighbor, which is only 90 miles from us, pointed at the United States. I'm not allowing that. And he told Khrushchev, you do this, I'm going to bomb you guys. It's going to be a shooting war. Well, everybody, I remember then, everybody thought that's going to lead into World War III. And everybody was frightened. Because you have two figures, even though Khrushchev is a very evil person, who knows how many Ukrainians he starved besides Stalin, you know. Then you had Kennedy, and they were now confronting each other with a possible... uh, uh, outcome of World War III. Fortunately, Khrushchev backed down, for which he lost a tremendous amount of face because of the fact that he lost. So Kennedy won the day. But what do we see? Was Kennedy right to tell uh, Khrushchev, you can't do this? You, know, you want to take missiles, it's one thing you have it in your country or whatever. Well, what can we do? You're not going to put it next door neighbor. Right, a country 90 miles from us, and pointed at us. I'm not allowing this. And Khrushchev backed down. That became known, if I remember correctly, the Kennedy Doctrine, where the America will not allow countries, you know, to uh, have heavy armaments, especially nuclear, in the in the Western Hemisphere. That's exactly what happened. Really, as far as I'm concerned with Putin and Ukraine. You want to join NATO, that's one thing. But NATO means you're going to have missiles in NATO pointed at us. You can't do this. That's all he said. He didn't say, well, I'm going to take you over, I'm going to occupy you, I'm going to annex you. No. He said you just cannot join NATO, as far as I know. Right? So what would wisdom have said? Do you stand up to Putin and say jump in the lake don't tell me what to do don't interfere with my liberty or knowing that Russia basically is a superpower they have you know, 1500 ICBMs pointed at you. you know they have an overwhelming air force and army and so on you don't want to start up with these guys because they are evil and they are ruthless you see and if, as long as he's not threatening your independence, far, okay, he's not saying he's going to occupy you or take you over. He's just saying, for security reasons, Putin is saying, I have a right to be concerned for what I think is a security threat to my country. Now, you may disagree with him, and the truth is he is wrong, because NATO is basically a defensive pack. They're not going to attack Russia. But whatever it is, you know, he's concerned that they will, and he has a right to be concerned about the security of Russia, you know, even though he's really making the wrong assessment. But he's not threatening to take over Ukraine. So what does Zelensky do? He says, no, don't tell me what to do, you know, and he defies Putin, a very bad person, right, that is capable of of tremendous damage, murder, right? That's what he's capable of. Does this make sense to you? You don't do this, you see. So what did Putin do? Putin lived up to his reputation, right? Because he feels he's right. And what he decided to do is remove the government of Ukraine. Now, he anyway has dreams of restoring Ukraine, which used to be part of Russia, right, to the sphere of influence of Russia. Okay, fine. That's his delusions. But he did not threaten, as far as I know, Ukraine with taking them over. He just said, I don't want you to have missiles pointing at us because of NATO. And that's exactly what Kennedy said to Khrushchev in Cuba. You see? Now, I, you know, I, I may disagree with Putin, you know, But I I understand where he's coming from. He does have a legitimate right as president to be concerned with security because that's what he thinks is a security threat, even though really he's wrong. How could Zelensky confront him, defy him? Does this make any sense? Of course not. What Zelensky could have said, as long as he's not being threatened uh, to take over Ukraine, he says, okay, you know, Uh, Let's say, I'll join NATO, but I won't have any missiles at all. Or I won't join NATO. I'll back off, which is what he should have done. You know, if you're threatened by an 800-pound gorilla, you don't fight the gorilla, you get out of the room. That's what he should have done. Instead, he made a terrible decision to confront a person that basically does what he says, a killer an evil person, and what happened? How can Zelensky have made that move? He has doomed his nation, because Putin can't give up now. He's got too much invested in taking over Ukraine, and he's got to save face. So he's not going to back down, and nobody knows how far Putin will go not to, you know, to, to save face, and so on. Why did Zelensky do this? This makes no sense. You know, what he did is he subjected his nation to an absurd uh, resolution. And he was wrong. He should never have done that. As far as I'm concerned, how many people have died because of Zelensky's decision? 1.7 million people have fled. Complete disruption to the life of these people. How much damage, billions of dollars of damage, has happened now? We don't even know, ultimately, how much damage will happen to Ukraine. Why? You don't stand up, you know, you have to have wisdom. You see, what he should have done, is said, okay, I won't join NATO, just to keep the peace. You know, thank God that Putin allowed him since 1991 when Ukraine became an a, a independent nation, you know, Putin did not attack him. That itself is tremendous. You know, it reminds me of this uh, allegory. You know, there was once a lion, of course, it's a fable. Once a lion was eating, and, and all of a sudden he got a bone from the animal that he was eating. He got it stuck in his teeth, right? And it was causing him a lot of pain. So he sees this um, uh, crane, let's say, and he walks over to the crane and he says to the crane, if you take the bone out of, because you have a long beak, you can pull that bone out of my gums or whatever, right? I will give you a reward. So the crane said, what do you mean? You want me to stick my head in your mouth? That's the most dangerous place in the world. So the, the, the lion said, no, don't worry, I won't obviously harm you. Because you're helping me. So the crane said, okay. So he puts his head with his long beak into the mouth of the lion, right? I mean, talking about a lion, right? And he's successful. He pulls the bone out of the the lion's mouth. And the lion says, thank you. Fine. So then the crane says to the lion, but wait a minute. You said you'd give me a reward. Where's the reward? So here's what the lion answers. The lion says, your reward is that you can say that you stuck your head in the mouth of a lion and you were able to remove it without getting chopped off. That's the reward. In other words, if you are close to a Russia, right, an evil person, and that person, for whatever reason, has not taken you over, or really harm you in any way, but has allowed you to thrive, thank God. But the last thing you do is confront this? Of course, it is absolutely, I hate to say it, idiotic what that Zelensky did. He destroyed, he is responsible, as far as I'm concerned, for the destruction of Ukraine. Because what he should have done is said, okay, I understand you have a need for security, Okay, so I won't do that. Because you don't fight with an 800-pound gorilla, you see, and with a guy who's really evil will kill you if you confront him. You don't do that. This is really, if you think about that, what he did was a terrible deed. And 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 that shows you, you know, he started off as a comedian, right? He should have stayed in comedy. You don't appoint a comedian that has no experience politically, to the presidency of Ukraine. In any case, this is the way I certainly see it, you know. So all he did was give a pretext to Putin to fulfill his dreams of taking over Ukraine, which is not what he said he would do. But now that he did do it, he's not backing out. You see, all these overtures, it's not going to work because he has to save face. So he made a terrible mistake. Zelensky. And to me, it's absolutely astonishing. I don't consider him a hero. I consider him an absolute fool because he dragged his nation down into the path of harm and destruction for no reason. Of course, it's easy to defy and say, hey, don't tell me what to do. But as long as he's not threatening your liberty, it's true that he is threatening in a certain sense He's saying you can't do something, so he is limiting your liberty, your ability to make a choice. But he's not doing it because he wants to in any way you know, harm you. He feels there's a real security threat. He had a logical basis to what he said, which is what the United States itself did. So what doesn't make sense is fine if that's all he wants, so give in to the guy. That's what it means. Surrender is the better part of valor. You know, sometimes you have to back off because that's really the best, wisest thing to do. Instead, what does he do? He's responsible, as far as I see, for the destruction. Not totally, obviously, Putin is doing it. But because of his absurd decision to stand up to Putin, who is a ruthless killer, he he is destroying his nation. And he should have backed off. Now, the problem with Zelensky which again is ridiculous, is he said, wait a minute, I'm going to stand up to this guy, right? I'm going to show him who Ukraine is and guess what? The West is going to back me. Really? The West? You mean like a guy like Biden is going to back you? You mean the guy that ran from Afghanistan and left all the Americans to fend on their own in Afghanistan? This guy who hardly knows what day of the week it is? he's going to defend you? It's ridiculous. Where's the wisdom of this man? And of course the West deserted him. Okay, now they're sending arms. But, But a lot of Ukraine has been destroyed already. You see. When you look at it, you can't believe that these are grown men making these absurd decisions that has destroyed Ukraine. You see. Now, we know Putin is a Russia. Putin is very evil. But you don't start up with with a a guy like this, depending on what he's threatening you. You know, if he's threatening you because he wants to take you over, he wants to dominate you, that's one thing. But he didn't threaten him with that. He just said, I don't want missiles in my country. Because I perceive them, right, as as a security breach or a security threat. Okay, he's wrong, like I said, but he has a right to be concerned with security of his country, even if he has delusions that he'd love to take over Ukraine, which, of course, he had. But that's not what he threatened Ukraine. And the West, terrible what they did. They goaded him on. They goaded Zelensky on to defy Putin, which is a terrible thing that they did to Ukraine. And Zelensky should never have acceded to what they were saying. The whole thing is an unbelievable tragedy. And now, guess what? The whole world is shaking. Why? Because nobody knows what Putin is going to do. You know, he has to save face. It's amazing that Putin, the reputation of the Russian army, right, is off the cliff. It's ridiculous. I mean, Ukraine basically is a third world country. They're very corrupt. And Putin can't even win. Look how long it's taking the great, you know, Russian army with the nuclear weapons to take over Ukraine. It's absurd. So as it is, Putin is losing face, you see. And when a man like Putin loses face, be very careful. Because he may do something just to save face, you know. And already he's activated nuclear weapons. Right? He's activated a unit that, that, is, that manages the nuclear stockpile of Russia. You know how dangerous that is? Because it can easily lead to World War Three, And the whole world is worried about World War Three. You see, this is the repercussions. When well, you don't think through a decision, and you make an absurd ego decision, well, don't tell me what to do. Now, What's interesting also is, I believe, why is God doing this? Why is he putting the world to the incredible anxiety? You know, first it was a global anxiety from COVID, where the whole world suffered. Well, I went into that previously. But why is he doing it again, also globally? And I believe because it's a punishment to the entire world. Because of Iran. The United States is working out a deal with Iran. Now, the original agreement with Iran, which happened in 2015, said that in 10 years, which is 2025, you can do as much um, uh, purification of, uh, of, of nuclear material as you want. That's in three years. So, as far as I understand, that agreement still holds. You see? That means in three years, Iran will be able to make with their centrifuges to purify uranium to become weapons grade. That's insane. That's an incredible existential threat to the Jewish people, to the state of Israel. Because we know what Iran wants to do. And it's not that they want to do it only because they're evil, which of course they are. It's because they feel they are theologically commanded To destroy Israel. That's why they're willing to commit suicide. You see. And that's what they uh, really are uh, thinking about. Because they believe that the. I think it's the 12th Mahdi, He will only come when the world is destroyed. So on the contrary. They want to speed up. The redemption. Their redemption that is. By destroying Israel. And destroying the world. So how can Biden and the other parts of the administration, sit down with a country that is responsible for an unbelievable amount of terrorism, not just with Israel, but with Saudi Arabia, you know, the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, and so many other countries, the Houthis and so on, you know. How do they do this? So God says, and this is my take, God says, you want to threaten my people Existentially, guess what? I'm going to distract you from Iran, and I will have somebody else threaten you with extinction. A possible World War III, you see, from Russia. So God arranges a scenario, right, where Russia is threatening the world. I mean, they keep mentioning that the nuclear option is on the table that's incredibly worrisome, if that becomes a shooting war with Russia. And that is a punishment to the world. You want to threaten my people existentially? And it's not just the Israel, the whole Middle East. Because Iran is Shiites, and the Shiites believe that they are the correct segment of Islam, and they want to dominate the Sunnis. And most of the Arab lands are Sunnis. So they are going to cause an enormous amount of unrest. Where? In the Middle East. They are going to take over the Middle East with all its oil and, and, and so on. Could you imagine? Not only that, eventually, if they, if they feel it's appropriate at the right time, they're going to threaten Europe. You see? Because they're going to develop missiles that can take a nuclear weapon to Europe. Iran is a monster. By the U.S. doing what they do, which is unconscionable and unpardonable, they are unleashing a monster called Iran. How could they do that? I mean, we're the sehel. Where's the common sense of these people? Are they crazy? But they're doing it. So God says, "You want to do this to my people? I will now bring an existential threat, right, to you, to Biden, the West, Europe, that is actually behind this and allowing Iran to get away with it. So therefore, now comes Russia and threatens the world. And, that he, and, 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 you know, you don't have that type of threat. It's the first time that Russia, as far as I know, is actually threatening and activating a unit that could launch A nuclear weapon and you never know if if Putin has to save face if his army does terrible again and again and he's not conquering Ukraine and you never know maybe Ukraine will win we we don't even know which is a miracle in itself right then he's going to have to save face what's he gonna do you never know a guy like him could launch a nuclear missile right In one of the cities of Ukraine. And blow the whole place to smithereens. Yes. Of course he would be condemned. Right? But he doesn't care. He's already condemned by the entire world. So what does he really have to lose? You see? Putin is not a loser. Putin always wants to be a winner. That is a very dangerous set of characteristics for a person that has that type of personality, you see. So this is the hashkoffa, or at least one of the ideas of the hashkoffa, of what is happening. Uh, But, you know, I I don't believe, ultimately, that that's what he's going to do, you know, launch a nuclear strike. Because one thing we do know, which is different than the Iranians, Putin is not suicidal. Because Putin gets charged by leadership, right, by being a dictator. Power, that's what he wants. And he knows that the United States, you know, can flatten him. He knows that. The United States really is the most powerful nation on earth. And if they aim uh, a a nuclear missile toward Moscow, he's going to take out Moscow. That's the end of Putin, right? Right? Because not only, because what will happen, obviously, is the people of Russia will rise up against Putin and kill him, you see. So he's not going to do that, we hope, because he's not suicidal, because he revels in power. The Iranians are different, because theologically, they feel the only way the Mahdi can come, and the Mahdi is their Messiah, you see, is if the world goes through destruction. So that's a whole different scenario because they are suicidal, you see. But in any case, um, uh, so I don't think that Putin is going to launch a nuclear weapon. He's threatening, and nobody wants to test him. In any case, this is the way I see it, Uh, you know, and so on, that a terrible mistake has been made by Zelensky. And he's not a hero at all. He's a fool for being suckered in to defying Putin. What he should have done, is says, okay, I understand. I disagree with you. You know that NATO is not going to do this. You know, however, I understand that you have a right to be concerned, and I will honor that in the sense that I won't put missiles in my country. I mean, that's all he had to do. You have to do anything else, you see. But he didn't listen he was goaded on by the west he was goaded on by people in many ways that are absolute idiots because they put ukraine in the path of destruction and we take a look at what's happening the world cannot believe what's happening to ukraine i mean every day people are dying right and we're not even talking about the disruption of life is terrible you see all because he decided To be the hero. He's not a hero, Zelensky. He decided he wants to be a hero and stand up. Tiger, a lion, an 800-pound gorilla. What kind of an insanity is that? Sometimes you have to know when to back off. He, Zelensky, does not know. And because of that, he has put his nation... On the path to destruction. Because Putin is not going to stop until he gets rid of the government and puts in a government which is favorable to him, so he can now incorporate uh, Ukraine in the sphere of influence over the entire place. That is my take um, on what's happening now and the tremendous mistakes that have been done. Any questions? Okay.
1: So we're waiting on what right now? We what? What are we? What are we waiting to? Like, what's? What are we looking out for?
0: <clears throat> well, I, like I said my last year, I'm hopefully ultimately that that Putin will be removed because he is destroying Russia at the same time same time, the Russian ruble is worth one penny, they are going to go into a massive depression, you know, and as it is, uh, Russia is a very poor country, so hopefully they will revolt against Putin and, you know, throw him out, whatever, or or assassinate him, whatever that means, and so on, and therefore they will be able to uh, survive, because how long can they survive? The idiocy of all this, of course, is Biden, because Biden keeps buying oil from Russia. I understand it's a billion dollars; it's six hundred uh, million barrels uh, a day, or it's 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 a billion dollars a day. It's it's incredible that the United States is actually financing his war. I mean, you can't you can't even make this stuff up. You see, so uh, hopefully the end result will be you know, where Putin will be removed. And then hopefully, if that can happen, then maybe Russia can, can join, you know, the community of nations and actually become really capitalistic and uh, and have uh, somebody, you know, uh, that that's voted in democratically and so on, you know. Hopefully that's what's going to happen. And that will be the continuation of the dissolution of evil which I believe the revolution has started, you see. So I believe that's uh, ultimately what, what, what's going to happen.
1: I don't understand
0: why Biden doesn't pump oil in the United States. Wait, what? I
1: can't hear you. What? Rachel, you have to talk much louder. How come Biden doesn't pump the oil in the United States? Why do we have to be dependent on people? Why is he
0: put a on? <clears throat> Biden is a slave. He's a puppet of very evil people. There are people that want to change America. They want to make America into a communist state, you see. And Biden is beholden to those people, you see. Because he knows that, which is interesting, he knows that he does not have the smarts to govern this nation. He knows that. So he's beholden to these people, the progressive left, the Democratic Party, in order to be able to run this nation. And this is a problem. So because of that, you know, he is wedded to an idea called climate change. So he is willing... I mean, the United States is one of the greatest oil producers in the world. If they wanted, between, between Alaska and the Keystone Pipeline and so on, we could actually not only have enough oil for the United States, we could have enough oil to supply, I think, one-third of European oil. That's how much oil the United States has, you know, through fracking and so on. But because the progressive left doesn't want to use fossil fuels, they want electric cars. You see, they want everybody, you see, to use things which are friendly to the climate. It's one thing if you want to be, use fuels which are friendly to the climate, but that's only if they exist. But you can't stop the world's production of oil. Most of the economies of the planet are dependent on fuel, on oil and gas and so on. I mean, it's just astounding to look at this man. This man is such a moron. It's, it's really, it's hard to believe that this guy actually believes what he says, you see. But what he is doing, in effect, is destroying the United States. Even though he is sponsoring, you know, he's financing the war with Russia. And, and it's just, people are absolutely astounded, you know. If he didn't do that, if he became, uh, reverted back to being oil independent, then Russia would collapse because nobody would need their oil. The United States can supply the oil of Europe and so on, which would make the United States you know, uh, a recipient of tremendous amount of money. That's besides the oil. You know how wealthy the U.S. would become if they're selling oil to the Europeans because nobody's, bu- nobody's buying it from Russia? You know, all of this is way above the head of of Biden. It's incredible. Which is absolutely incredible when you think about this. You know? Look, but it's all part of the Xero. Biden is the scourge of America. The job of Biden is to punish America. Again, because it all boils down to the tremendous uh, moral decay of America. You know that's really what's behind all. That's what destroyed the world by the mob. America has become a very corrupt, perverse, depraved, degenerate nation, morally and ethically. This is what's happened with America, and God will not permit it. You see, uh, it's interesting that Putin and Russia are very much against LGBTQ. It's interesting. And I believe that's what gives them, even though they're evil, the, the ability and the merit, in that sense, to be the persecutors of the world. In that sense, they're more righteous than the West. The West has become tremendously depraved. It's just incredible. Whereas Russia... And Putin, they are, as far as I know, they are against this LGBTQ. In fact, I think Putin once accused the West of a tremendous moral degradation. It's it's interesting that even when an evil person does his evil, right, God doesn't always allow an evil person to do their evil. But sometimes an evil person is not evil in everything. Uh, it sometimes happens where even an evil person who does evil has to have a certain merit, you, you see, to accomplish their evil. You see, in other words, uh, which is an interesting concept, that even they need a merit to be able to succeed in their evil. And I believe that part of the reasons why God has allowed Putin to intimidate the entire world, even though the guy is incredibly evil, I mean, he's a killer in that sense, is because he has a merit of being morally righteous in terms of gender. I'm not talking about anything else, but at least in that way he's straight. It's an interesting thought, because God doesn't always look at, God looks at the fact that, what is your merit that I should allow you to succeed even if you want to be the perpetrator of evil, so many times a Russia also needs a schus, you see, a merit, to be successful, to be the one designated to do the evil, which is really very interesting, and I believe that's the reason why, the the reason why the world is experiencing such difficulty, is because of the incredible moral depravity of the LGBTQ. And Putin is the opposite of that in that respect, even though he's evil. But in this respect, he's better than the United States. You see? So I believe that is the merit why Putin can actually threaten the West. It's an interesting way of looking at it. But what I'm saying is a true idea. That a person can't just do evil just because he wants, you see, Especially if God needs an evil person to do something, right? And uh, this person is chosen because of some merit that he has. It's an interesting concept, but I believe that this is part of what is going on. And America doesn't realize, and the truth is they'll never wake up, they don't realize how close they are, in a certain sense, to destruction And God will not destroy America, because America is part of the redemption itself, as I mentioned with Trump, you see. But that doesn't mean he won't punish America, you see. And that's what happened, I mentioned quite a while ago, the Civil War. America, even though they didn't kidnap the blacks from Africa, but they did accept them as slaves, and they they sold them. So wait a minute. Even though you didn't kidnap the blacks, and that's what it is, a guy cannot kidnap another guy. You can't kidnap blacks. Right? So even though they did that, they, they didn't kid, do the kidnapping from Africa, but they did accept them, and they sold them as slaves. They furthered the slavery. Or the kidnapping. Because as long as a person is not free, he is considered kidnapped. So therefore God... which I mentioned, you know, brought upon them a civil war as an atonement for what they did. Because once a person, uh, the, the penalty for kidnapping is death, you see, and therefore America had to atone for the terrible sin of kidnapping and enslaving the black population. You see? So God does punish America, which we obviously see. You see, but uh, and that's really what's happening now. America is guilty of terrible moral depravity, gender distortion, gender corruption, and so on. So it's it's interesting to watch a person that is evil like Putin that actually is threatening America and causing all kinds of anxieties and disruptions because he has to have happen to have the opposite. The, uh, he has the, uh, the, the moral, at a certain sense, a moral righteousness of, not, of no gender distortion, you see. So in that sense, he's better than America. But of course, he's incredibly evil. But that's what allows him to do the evil, you see. Look, God's got it all figured out. He knows exactly you know, the evil and the virtues of a person and what that person is entitled to. And what that person has to be punished for. You see? Even an evil person, if he does a righteous deed, must be rewarded. God does not deny any kind of consequence that is rightfully due to a person. Even an evil person, you see? If he did righteousness, because no person is 100% evil, you know? Everybody has something that they did. That's virtuous. So God has to reward that, you see. Even though, overall, that person, in the end, will be destroyed. So this is what we see, which is really happening in terms of Russia and Putin, in any case. So it's going to play itself out, I believe. And I'm hoping that this is the beginning of the fall of Putin, you see. And Ukraine it's going to take a long time until they get their act together, pay for all the incredible amount of damage, and life becomes restored. in Ukraine, I mean, it's a terrible thing, you know. They also mentioned other things last week and this year. The concept of what Ukraine has been historically to the Jews, which has been terrible. Somebody told me a statistic that overall, not individually, but overall, 64% of Ukrainians... Are anti-Semitic. Now, I, I don't know, you know, where he got that from, but that's what he said is the statistic. And if that's the case, that's absolutely terrible. I mean, it does conform to the history of what Ukraine did to the Jews, you know, in terms of the uh, all the pogroms, uh, especially by Chmelnyi, and uh, in World War Two, World War One, how whole groups of them went out and killed Jews and so on. So all of, this is all, this, all of this is part of the uh, reckoning that God has with any country. And God has an exact reckoning. You know, each person gets what they deserve and if they don't deserve it, they don't get it. You see? So this is what seems to be uh, my observations in terms of what's happening. Any other questions?
1: So as Jews, where does this place us? Or we're we just sitting back <clears throat> and watching?
0: To... Well, as Jews, we have to be tremendously sensitive and responsible for Jews in Ukraine. You see, so it's a tremendous mitzvah to help Jews in Ukraine, because for them it's absolutely terrible. What is interesting is that Putin is not an anti-Semite, obviously. On the contrary, he likes Jews. So Ukrainians... Uh, Jewish Ukrainians are not threatened in terms of anti-Semitism. That's not the problem. Ukraine is threatened as a nation, as a country, but not the Jewish population in Ukraine. So it could be that's why the Jews, even though their life has tremendous disruptions, you know, is not concerned where they have to flee. I mean, if Putin was an anti-Semite, which he's not, then I imagine all the Jews would run because he's aiming his destruction at Jews. But it's not, that's not what he's doing. Ukraine is the victim, not the Jews. Although the Jews, who are the part of the population of Ukraine, clearly are suffering. you know. And uh, hey, look, it's a mitzvah to, to really try to help them. Any other questions? You don't know what? I don't know why they didn't leave one day. He said he's going to invade. Well, nobody believed them. You know, because you have to remember, see, in, you know, 19, in, in 1994, they had Ukraine give back all the nuclear weapons, you see, and the signing, the signatories, was United States, Britain, and Russia, where they guaranteed the territorial integrity of Ukraine. So it's never been violated. I mean in a certain sense like Crimea in 2014, you know, that that was violated, you know, where where he decided to take it cuz he said it's really part of Russia. But really basically Ukraine survived as a nation for 31 years since 1991. You see? So they probably didn't believe that he would do anything. But he did. Because Putin is, uh, you know, tremendously into his ego. And he does, he obviously... Does, yeah?
1: Does Ramchal, um does he say anything that, like, um, signals or, like, points to these events that are happening now?
0: No. Only in a general way. That in the end of time things will be very bad. But then the Gemara does that also. That's exactly what the Gemara does. He talks about the tremendous amount of, you know, of harm, destruction, darkness in the end of time. You see. So that's true, you know. But, um, he doesn't, he certainly doesn't go into the predictions on on a specific level anyway, you know.
1: He doesn't go into the darkness. He just says it's going to be dark.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, in that sense. sense? how
1: How long the darkness lasts? The what? I mean, does it say how long the darkness lasts? Because... If you really think about it, the whole exile has been darkness, so...
0: Yes, that's true. But it gets really dark. You know, it's the old story. Right before the dawn, when does it get dark? Right before the dawn. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's exactly what's happening. Right before the dawn, it gets really dark. And that's exactly what's happening. That's why we are very close to the Messianic era, because of this, such tremendous darkness <coughs> and such uh, enormous amount of sinning, you know, we are really at the end, which is really very interesting, you know, and so on. <coughs> In any case, you know, it's just interesting to watch uh, current events from the perspective of the divine agenda.
1: You know, you know, it has a lot of similarities in the beginning of COVID. Like, okay, first that it's global, and then yes. also that the confusion and like, where did this come from, and from, you know, like all we don't understand what's what's going on. That's like the signature of Hashem. Whenever yeah. we don't understand it, it's him.
0: Right. Yes.
1: So, so he's trying to really send the same message, just in a different uh, form. So to speak.
0: Yeah. You have to remember also, which I once mentioned, is you have to remember, you know, in the end, justice must be satisfied. Even though the Rosh Hashem is a Marachim, he has tremendous compassion, but that's all in the service of justice where he can delay justice, or whatever. But in the end, justice has to be satisfied. That means everybody, whatever they get in Ulam Haba, must deserve the Ulam Haba. You see? So what you're watching now is a lot of evening out the score. You see? Like I once mentioned, before the end, God is obviously accelerating the whole process. So therefore, he is creating situations that involve a great deal of pain, suffering, in order to even out the score so he can move further with the redemption. It's the exact same thing that happened in Egypt, to Mitzrayim. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu came, but the Jews had to even out the score in terms of what they deserved. And they they did not deserve the redemption, this is the problem. So God, therefore, created a scenario, situation, where Paroi issued a decree of straw, which means that they had to make bricks in the day and gather straw at night, which was obviously horrendous. Why? Same thing. Before the redemption, the score must be evened out. Because that is the ultimate divine decree. That all things in the end must satisfy okay. din justice. And we are really looking at that. We are looking at many different ways where justice is being satisfied. By a lot of people suffering. Now we don't know, you know what people in Ukraine did. We don't know. But God knows exactly what he has to do. you know, To justify it the uh, the redemption itself. You see. <clears throat> and someday we will know when the Mashiach comes, he will explain, he's gonna give a long seminar lecture, you know, why everything happened and how everything that happened to any individual was fully justified. And on the contrary it was for the good of that person, in order that he should satisfy justice And therefore, he should go to his reward without any kind of complaint. You see? Now, we don't know that. To us, it's all hidden. You know, we don't know it. Uh, The real accounting, we have no idea what's going on. Um, But that's what you're looking at. When you look at the end of time, you're looking at an emphasis on the satisfaction of justice with a Sutton, will not be able to be Makatrig, will have no claim of prosecution, of accusation at all, and then God will bring the redemption. You see? So that's a very strict concept. It's a very strict concept. So we, we pray that God accelerate the process But acceleration in many ways is that it gets worse. It gets more severe. It gets intense. You see? And that is the acceleration of the process. Because remember, that's the critical concept. You need to satisfy justice. You need to quiet the ketrugim, the prosecutions of the sultan, before you move forward to the end. And that is the climate of everything you're looking at now. that's why America is suffering terribly. I mean you only got to pay four and a half dollars a gallon, which is incredible, and that's, that's only the good part. It's going to go up to seven or eight dollars a gallon. who knows with this insane Biden that's all part of the punishment you see is uh, you know is economic punishment I mean you know to what it's going to do to people. To or heating oil, and gasoline, and so many things, and food is a fortune, I mean, it's just incredible what is going on, Uh, but like I say, that's what it is, you see, it is all part of the scenario, that's what's going to happen, so in the end, it'll be good, in the end, all of this will justify the end, in terms of redemption, that's, the, that's, the, that, that's what you have to keep your eye on. You know, <clears throat> by a basketball game, you have to keep your eye on the ball that it goes through the net. That's it. That's the whole purpose of the game. Same thing. The purpose of creation, the purpose of this game, is to end up in Uilam Chabot with justification. That's the end game. And all of this is to justify, you know, the uh, <clears throat> uh, ju- uh, justify the the situation that a person finds himself, that he should deserve it. You see, <clears throat> except there's so many ins and outs, you know, there are there are certainly so many so many nuances that we have no idea what's going on. Who remembers? Who knows what we did in sinning? In this uh, incarnation and in the previous incarnations, I mean, you know, we we'll take a, a, a computer, a supercomputer the size of the universe, to calculate everybody's position in the scales of justice. You see, but God does it with relative ease, and that's what it is. Oh, uh, what we would try to do is figure out, you know, the game plan. Well, let's see where is this going to wind up, you know. So, I, what I've done is I've tried to, you know, conjecture on the game plan, based on Chazal, based on logic, and so on, about what's really going on, and so on, you know. So, we got to hope that it's uh, it's accurate. Any other questions? I have kind of
2: a weird question. How weird? Do you think that right now, because it's so scary in the world, it's like it's really scary, and all the all the things that we're suffering from with the prices of food and gas and everything, plus like the war, yeah. and some people say like he's gonna take over even more of Europe and advance so right now does does Hashem want us to feel scared or or does he want us to feel like? The simcha, like, are we supposed to, when we die? No, he wants us. He uh,
0: he wants us to feel scared. Pachad, the fear of death, is a tremendous kapora, tremendous atonement. That is the atonement, the fear of death. I personally don't believe he's going to take over Europe, because that would be an attack against NATO, and he realized, like I said, he is not suicidal because he loves power and he wants to be the power broker, he doesn't want to be the guy who's dead because the United States would attack him you know, and it would be World War III he does not want to have World War III because then he's got no kingdom to reign over except his grave that he doesn't want to do Uh, but he will take over Ukraine you know or and maybe moldova and so on <clears throat> you know um yeah that's what he Thank will you. do so i wouldn't worry about it like i said he does not want world war 3 because it me- means his destruction and the destruction of russia that's what it means and a tremendous, uh, severe, uh, you see, that's what it means, you know, but I wouldn't worry about it, it's not going to end that way, you know,
2: okay, well, it's it's helpful, it's it's very helpful, Rabbi, thank you, because then when you're, when you're praying, you can sometimes like feel super happy, but then you can be very serious.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah.
2: So, thank you.
0: Right, yeah. No, it'll turn out okay. It's just that it looks pretty bad in the interim, you know. But it's meant to save the Jewish people. It's meant to save even the world. But unfortunately... It has to come to a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. That's what it's for. Okay, I hope I've introduced, you know, certainly new ideas. I realize I've gone against the uh, current of the entire, of a lot of people by saying, you know, what Zelensky did was terrible, foolish. And he contributed to the destruction of Ukraine. You know, that's what happens when you try to act like a hero. And meanwhile, you're a schlamazel. <clears throat> in any case, <clears throat> um, this is, uh, you know, what's happening. And uh, look, it'll have a good ending in the end. You know. Uh, but right now, we are in a tremendous period of darkness. It's really what it is. Not much you can do about that.